From the headquarters of Team Cowboy, coming to you all the way from Anderson, South Carolina, this is the Finance Cowboy Show, where we're going to teach you how you can create your dream life through the greatest asset in the world, real estate. I'm your host, Jaron Sustar, and I went from having zero properties in 2018 to a portfolio of over $5 million worth of real estate by 2021. And I am excited to be able to teach you all the lessons, tips, and tricks that I have learned throughout my journey, while also introducing you to some of the greatest real estate minds in this entire world. So without further ado, let's get this party started. I'm here with Kyle Sebeth from the great state of Rhode Island. What is up, man? What's up, bro? How you doing? I am good. I'm excited to talk to you today. You got started investing, what, way back in 2014, right? Before it was popular? Yeah, I was doing this before a lot of people were in the game. So I've been in this game for a long time. Um, you know, accumulated right now probably over 250 units. I'll have over 350 units in the next 12 months doing a lot of new construction and a lot of uh, redevelopment stuff. So been doing this for a while, probably do 80 to 100 flips a year. Uh, we do hard money lending. I sell real estate, got a brokerage, got a lending company, title company, kind of all encompassing. Wow. So you uh, you got it covered all the way around. That's pretty darn awesome. And when did the bug bite you? When did you say, hey, man, I want to get into real estate? I mean, that bug, that bug hit me um, probably when 2008, when the market hit, his, hit was on its back, right? I was like, okay. Here's an opportunity to buy, um, to buy at a very, you buy an asset at a very inexpensive valuation versus what I feel like the real, true intrinsic value is. Mm. And I said I always like real estate, and I, I some of the people back then that I kind of saw around, you know, had a lot of cash in their pocket, and the reason was because it was collecting rent. So it was the rent that kept coming in, right? And it was that rent that was coming in that was helping them. Um, you know, make ends meet and, and really become wealthy. So I was like, if they can do it, why can't I? Love it. Yeah, it's one of those things. I say that a lot too. It, I always joked with my wife. This is a terrible analogy because all the ladies who listen to this are like, they're going to want to punch me in the face. But when my wife was <laughs> pregnant, she, you know, I would console her with, look, honey, billions of other women have done it. You're going to be A-OK. Now, I don't recommend any guy saying that to their pregnant wife, but the same is true for real estate. There are a lot of right. people who aren't as smart as you <laughs> that are that right. have done this and that are doing it. And so you can do it. I promise you. That's the beautiful thing about it is you don't have to be an Ivy Leaguer. You don't have to know how to code. You don't have to be a product developer. It's like, bro, you just you got to a degree. You don't need to be a developer. You don't need any of that. All you need to do is have an understanding of money that comes in, money that goes out, and you want to have more money that came in that went out. And at the end of the day, you understand, you have to understand simple economics. If I buy it for X and I can sell it for Y, is Y a bigger number than X? It's really that simple. It's not that hard. And then when you get, and when you get kind of good at it, you look at it and say, okay, if I can do this with other people's money and I can borrow your money and I can use your money and then I can go make more money on it and use none of my own, that's a no brainer. Cheap. So no. That's the cheat code. It is. It is code. I didn't get I didn't get 250 units by putting up 25% every time. What are you out of your mind? That's insanity. <laughs> I want to dig into that a little bit. Um and, and talk about how I was doing, doing bird before people even knew what bird was. Because yeah, it wasn't even a yeah, it wasn't even a thing. Was, we didn't call it bird. It was just like, hey, I found a good deal. I'm yeah. and I got my money back. Yeah, I was like, wow, this is good. I'm going to do it again. Wow, this is good. I'm going to do it again. Wow. And I didn't know burr. I didn't know rinse, wash, repeat. I knew I bought it for this. I put this much into it and the bank's going to give me that. Okay, I'll do that all day long. 
Yeah. And I've been doing it ever since. And now they got these fancy acronyms for it and they still, you know, now granted some people really do the thing and do it right and really kill it. But 95 to 97% of people don't do anything. They yeah. just know all the acronyms. They know all the punch words. They know all the buzzwords. Bro, I'm out here doing it. I'm taking a chance. I'm taking a risk. I'm running. I'm, I'm out there putting valuations on things. I'm running retail. Like, I'm out here doing it. And it's changed your life, I'm sure. And we'll get to that. So how did you start? Like as far as types of properties, how you funded everything, where was that starting point for you? The start was on a program here we had locally, which was 100% financing. It was 100% financing owner-occupied program um, and really bought a property and used the, used the banks, the financing company's money to go ahead and buy it. And then from there was like, okay, now let me figure out how to get another one. So you lived I lived in the first one. It was a you house it, which is a fancy word nowadays. Again, another one, and like no, I didn't even know what that was. I mean, it's not rockets. You make all these words up, and people think they're reinventing the wheel. That stuff's easy, bro. <laughs> You're talking easy stuff. Live on one unit, rent the other two. It's not hard. <laughs> I don't even call house hack. It's called smart. <laughs> At the end of the day, right? So the other thing is, like, then I said, okay, I, I learned about private lending. And I was like, all right, if I can buy this house for 100, I can put 70 into it and it's worth 240, 250. I've got my 20% equity in there. They're going to give me back my 170. I'm going to pay the hard money guy off. I'm going to get my 70 back and I'm going to do it again. And I did four of those in a row. Yeah. One, two, three, four like that. And then I caught the bug. I'm like, I get this. Yep. I get this. And no, I started going... And I started going crazy with it. And I probably flipped in the last 10 years over, you know, 750 to 1,000 properties easily. Um, so, I mean, I know the game. But here's the thing. They all don't win. They're all not winners. Not making 100 grand on every one of them. I make, remember, I'm a real estate agent too. So I get the commission. I get a sign in the ground. I get the open houses. I can have buyer leads from them. So there's ancillary things that come from one flip. One flip isn't just me going out there and making five grand, 10 grand, 50 grand, 100 grand. It's making money plus doing the other things. I love it. You've built an entire network around right. this investing business. <laughs> I built my own, I built my own um, inventory. I do, not want to re I do not want to rely on another grown man or woman to give me inventory. Yes, yeah. I do a ton of stuff with the general public and I enjoy it and I love it and I, my goal is to make them happy. But I do not need to I do not need to worry if I'm going to eat this month because of someone else wanting to sell their house. I'm going to manufacture inventory. That's icing on the cake. Yeah, right. Bonus. So right. did you start in the residential space like a lot of people do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, started right. I mean, I still stick with I still believe in the saying there's a butt for every seat and I don't know if I can swear, but there's a butt for every seat in the sense that I'd rather be in assets that I know there's a need. And the need is the demand for tenants and the demand for rentals, right? That's the need. I love that. So many people see the shiny objects. And so, you know, you may see stuff from self-storage to big multifamily to commercial this, that. And I feel like people, they they put one thing over the other, like, oh, this is a greater, like, this means you're better. This means you're cooler. This means you're a greater investor. And then they, they get lost. They get blinded by all these different shiny objects. And I have, maybe I'm too simple-minded. I'm from small town, South Carolina. But to me, 
and I'll buy a commercial deal. So I don't want to say I want, I'm, I will buy commercial big apartments, whatever, if, if the right deal comes along. But man, when you look at the residential space, you are playing with an asset that appeals to the masses. That's what I've always loved about it. It's a commodity, bro. It's a commodity. Everybody has to have it. I don't know how you can out. You need a house to live in. Yeah. Everybody needs an apartment, a house, something. So why am I trying to reinvent the wheel? Why am I trying to go pick up a strip mall and, 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 and get from a six cap to an eight cap to a 10 cap and, and trying to get anchor tenants? Screw all that, man. Like that's great if I'm a REIT or I'm a big company, I got endless pockets. I want to have the safety if I'm going to take a chance on an asset that I know I can fill the, I can backfill that rental easily. I'm not worried about getting that one mom pop tenant that I'm gonna that I'm gonna uh, convince to pay a certain amount of rent. I want the masses to be able to pay the rent that I have and be good. 100%. And when you play in the residential spaces, you get funding, you usually get better tenants, and then you want to sell. You're not just selling to a large equity firm or other investors. You're selling to the person you were five years ago. You're selling to the public. You're exactly. just it's basically just this vicious cycle of, you know, everybody moves up the, the totem pole. As I move up, someone else moved up, and then I sell my asset to them. And it's just this game of trading. It's just this retrade back and forth. And I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. If you can't make money in real estate, if you can't make money in real estate, then you really need to go back to basic economics because it's really hard to not make money in real estate because it's very simple math, right? And, and you're not going to make money on every deal. And I tell people all the time, if I do 100 flips and I make money on 60 and lose money on 40, I'm still fine. I'm okay. It's a net-net game. It's a net-sum game, right? It's binary. I either make money or I lose money. There's no in-between. So if I make more than I lose, I'm okay, right? And at the end of the day, the biggest thing I see, the biggest problem I see is you've got so many people that I would call spreadsheet warriors that essentially what they do is they're really good on Excel they're really good on Google Workspace, but they never pull the trigger. They never actually do anything. So it's those people, it's those people that make the opportunities for people like you and I much better because they sit back and I can analyze a deal in about a minute and a half. Yep. I don't need a lot of time. I don't need to see it. I just need to know the area, know my market, know my numbers, and I can say yes or no without even knowing how I'm going to fund it. I have no clue how I'm going to fund it before I even sign. I don't need to figure that out right now. All I need to know is, is it's a good deal. If it's a good deal, I want it. Done. Sign it. That's it. And once you lock that up, money will come. I tell people that all the time, find a good deal. Stop worrying about, I get the dumbest questions. I'm going on a rant here. People ask me, how do I set up my LLC? How many bank accounts do I need? Stop freaking worrying (laughs) about that bull crap. Sorry, guys. I love y'all. And just learn how to find good deals. That is the name of the game because then everything falls into place after that. Then you can create your LLC and then you can decide if you want to keep it as a rental or as a flip. Or maybe you say, I can't make any of that happen. Can't find funding. Great. Wholesale that property. Assign the contract. Flip the contract. But what happens is people try to talk themselves out of deals than they try to talk themselves. More people try to talk themselves out of things than they do try. So they're already coming at it from a negative standpoint saying, how can I? How can I get out of this deal versus how can I get into this deal? I look at every yeah. deal. I got a, I got a fo- massive case of FOMO, a massive case of I don't want to miss out on a deal. Whereas 99% of the people I talk to during the day, I like, ah, but did you think of that? Ah, but did you do this? No, I didn't need to think of that. 
I think it's a good deal. End of story. Goodbye. Have a good day. Nice seeing See you. you. They don't really want to buy. And it's not, I shouldn't say they don't want to. They don't have the confidence. They, they something's well, there. They, they don't want to buy it. They don't yeah, want to buy yeah. it. They they Double want seven. they want to think it. They want to think of the, They want to talk themselves into reasons why they shouldn't buy it. Which is which is sad. I, one of the things that irks me, and I've said this on a couple episodes, so sorry, listeners, you're gonna hear it again. But when people will not buy a house over a couple hundred bucks a month in cash flow from a year one profile, I'm like, bro, they're like, I only buy houses <laughs> that cash flow four hundred dollars a month, and this one only cash flows two hundred, so I won't buy it. I'm like. Give it to me, exactly. baby. I'll take I'll it. Do it. I'll take it. about two bucks a month. Right. Like, what? Don't freaking go to Costco like twice. Only go one. Like, what are you talking about? You got to remember the most important. You got to remember the most important thing in this game is that you're getting people to pay your mortgage down and build your equity. You got the long game is crazy. Like my kids, my kids are set for life. Yep. They're set Same. for life. Set for life, like not because of cash flow, but cash flow is great. They're set for well, life. They will you be. They will be exactly. because all this stuff will be paid off in fifteen years. And when all this stuff right. is paid off, um, when all this stuff is paid off, right? At the end of the day, um, they're gonna have massive cash flow. Yep. Massive amounts of cash flow, and the massive amounts of cash flow they're gonna have, they won't even realize. Not only will they not realize how difficult it was to get there. But they won't be able to really truly appreciate all the stuff I had to do to get to that point. But my goal yeah. is to have an immense amount of cash flow from passive investment. Unfortunately, in 20 years, you know, I'll be I'll be 60 years old. I'll still be fine, but it won't. It, they'll be the ones to reap the true benefit of it down the road. And, and for them to mess that legacy up will be almost near because the way I'll put it in trust and all that other stuff will be nearly yeah. impossible. But the amount of cash flow and equity, I mean, you know, just to be realistic. I mean, I, I own again, 250 plus units, but that's massive. That's going to be massive equity in the future when all that oh debt paid off. Yeah. It's probably already pretty darn massive as it is. Right. And well, you could tap into, to those listening, he could tap into that before yeah. he ever pays it off. He's got a strategy for generational wealth, which is amazing, but he could, if he was like, screw my kids Correct. or I don't have kids or whatever, at any given time, he'd go pull some of that equity out and have hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars and still have his profit. Yeah, 10, 10, so 10 years from now, I could say, okay, these, these things are halfway paid off, right? I could then go ahead. Um, I could then go ahead and pull out 10, 15, 20 mil. And at 50 years old, be sitting on, you know, a whole bunch of piles of cash and be okay. And I'm not saying this cocky or arrogant. I'm being honest. I work my butt off. I work 16 hours a day. I've worked 16 hours a day for the past 11 years. Until you outwork me or until you show me that I don't deserve what I'm going to get, I'm going to keep going. And and I tip my hat and I, I believe that ev I don't believe that success is binary. I don't believe that for me to be successful, you have to be unsuccessful. I believe there's plenty of there's abundancy out there. There's plenty of room for two people, 10 people, a million people, a billion people to be uber successful. And I wish for everyone to be successful. But I know I'm going to I know one thing It's I'm, I'm going to make it to a certain level because I'm trying really, really hard and I'm not scared to take a risk. Cream rises to the top. Facts. Always does. Always does. How do you guys choose between a flipper or a rental? Uh, a lot of people ask me this. Like, how do you? choose what you're going to do with the property. I try to keep anything over 
four units. I try to flip anything under four units. Gotcha. Um, I feel like the, 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 the room for error on a three unit or less is much greater. And if I can sell in a market now where there's a lot of FHA owner occupied buyers that are paying a premium, I'd rather take that cash flow and move on to something else. So four plus units, more like commercial stuff I keep. Four less units, I, I typically would flip. Now, I'll keep it if I can't flip it. I'd rather keep it and take an L than flip it and take an L. Yep. I just refinance and keep my equity. Yeah, you can re if you can withstand the pain at the beginning, if you keep it, then at some point it's going to even back up. It just takes you know, longer. And I look at things yeah. and I, I always look at my stuff and I say, when I look at these assets, it's not a it's not an individual it's it's a it's a sum of the parts right it's everything all in one it's all intertwined so if i have some that are doing well like we do a lot of airbnb stuff mm. my airbnbs in the summer do really really well um i just bought a condo down in miami i bought two houses in martha's vineyard um so like i'm looking at assets i used to own only stuff in sea level areas in really bad areas and yeah. in the last 3 4 years i started to increase I started to buy nicer things because I felt like with a barbell strategy to investing, it makes a lot of sense to buy some stuff that's going to offset some of the cash flow stuff, right? When you look at it, you look at CBD type areas, that's for cash flow. You look at the A plus yeah. stuff, that's more for equity bill. So I'm, sure. I'm really focused on, again, you know, one of those houses, I mean, one of the properties in Martha's Vineyard is worth $6 million. My kid yeah. will have that in 20 years with no mortgage. She'll have two. They'll have two houses. Be worth 18 mil at the time. At least at that time. So like yeah. the point is like it's you need to be that one to change the game for your legacy going forward. And I chose that I'm going to be the one. I'm going to be the guy to take this thing and change it. Not that I have a bad background. Like my parents are great. They do. They're fine. Yeah. But it's not like I'm the guy that's going to take it and run with it. I've got that mentality that's different. And it shows in, in what you're producing. Uh, I think it's cool to touch on one thing that you were talking about. You, you talked about how now you've you've kind of gone more equity plays with the Martha Vineyard's property, Martha's Vineyard, the Miami properties. I think it's hard to start that way. I think it is a great way to to grow on top of that strong foundation, those BC class neighborhood properties that you have for that cash flow. It's like building a house. Those build the strong foundation and it sets you financially free and it puts you in a totally different world. Then once you're there, then you can start diversifying into those asset classes like you're talking about that. Hey, I'm not crushing it cash flow wise, but I can hold on to this puppy. And as debt continues to be paid down and it accelerates in appreciation. You know, and my cash flow from the other ones offset the lack of cash flow from this one. So what people don't understand, they want that sexy property. I don't want that until I get to a point where that makes sense for me, right? So that didn't make sense for me in the first seven years of investing. It started to make sense down the road. Late gratification, bro. This is a theme on every podcast that I have. Pay now, play later. If you do that, you're putting yourself in a good position to be successful in life. Kyle, I want to appreciate you for coming on today, man. This was fantastic talking with you. How can people get a hold of you? You guys can follow me on all social uh, media platforms, right? Just type in my name. Again, it's Kyle. Uh, Seabeth, S-E-Y-B-O-T-H. But I mean, this is what we do. We're out there doing it every day. Uh, a lot of my stuff, you'll see a lot of pretty good content that a lot of people follow and they like it. Um, I appreciate you for me, for having me on. We don't know each other at all before this. So hopefully this was helpful for you. 
Um, you know, it, you, you get it. Um, it is what it is. You got to go out there and crush it. And your story's an inspiration, man. And so I appreciate you sharing it. Thank you for your time today, Kyle. And uh, we'll talk soon. All right, brother. I'll talk to you soon.